Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Um, Pastor Jordan, of course, has been ministering, um, if we have the graphic, he's been ministering about the world, he's been ministering about the church, so we're going to continue on with changing your world, and at the end of last week, he, he, he made note of um, being a witness, and he mentioned Acts chapter 1 verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, if you look, it reads and it tells us, but you will receive power. Power meaning ability. It's an unending power. It's a power that never stops. It, it almost, it, it's regenerative. It, it, it builds on itself and continually goes. There's no end to it. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be a witness unto me. Now notice, the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to make you a witness. And I'll take it even further. That's his number one job, to make us a better witness. Now, you may be thinking, well, Brother Sean, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is my teacher. Well, if he's teaching you, then you're going to have knowledge other people won't have, and they'll want what you have, which in turn makes you a better witness. Well, Brother Sean, he's a comforter. Yes, you'll have peace and comfort in situations where other people do not, which will in turn make you a better Witness. Well, what about moving in the Holy Ghost, moving in the gifts of the Spirit? You know, what about words of knowledge and words of wisdom? You'll understand things that people don't understand, and they will want what you have that in turn makes you a better witness. witness. He gives you peace. He gives you counsel. Everything that He gives, He gives it to you to share with others so that we can be a better witness. That's the purpose. So we see here it says, for us to be a witness unto him into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the world. Of, of course, he started with Jerusalem, which is small, and then it expands. When, when, when we prove ourselves reliable and faithful, like Brother Les mentioned the talents, then he expands it, and then we prove ourselves we can handle it, then he expands it, and then the uttermost parts of the world. It's great that people want to change the world, but you can't even keep your house in order i got to start small, and God will move me forward as he sees, okay, you can handle it. Because it would be wrong for us to entrust somebody with something that we knew was too much. It's just too much for them to handle. It's too much for them to bear. Amen? So what we need to do today is we need to ask ourselves, what do people see in our lives that they want? To be a good witness, people need to want something we have. So what do people see in my family? What do people see in my peace? What do people see in my speech? What do people see in my actions that they think, boy, I want what they've got? Because if, if, if there's this, I don't know what, even, what you even call it, that GIF, what do you call that? Yeah. See, GIF, GIF, you don't know. <laughs> I'm 50, I'm not supposed to know. Some of you 20-year-olds need to know that. But they've got this one that people post every once in a while. I think it's hilarious. It's a dumpster that's on fire going down a river. If my life looks like that, who's going to look at it and say, oh, yeah, I want that? <laughs> That's what I want. That would be awesome. Who's the Lord you serve? Well, that's typically not going to happen. There has to be something people see. They think, I want that. I want that marriage. I want that relationship. I want that joy. So there's nothing wrong every once in a while with looking at ourselves and evaluating, well, what is there in my life people see they want? It's the Holy Ghost who will help us to do that. And we need to always understand, you know, where, where it says witness in that verse um, witness actually can be translated martyr. And we're not going to have a table in the back where everybody can sign up or anything. Relax. 
It doesn't mean you're going to die physically, but what it means is you're willing to die to yourself. You're willing to put aside ambitions that maybe aren't godly to be the best that God wants me to be. And, and there are benefits to technology, uh, but one of the drawbacks of technology is comfort. We, we become so dependent on comfort that we're unwilling to do anything difficult. We, we, we become accustomed to comfort, so when something hard comes, listen, when your remote doesn't work, it's like the house just burned down. Or have you ever been to one of those gas stations and you go to the gas station and it doesn't have the little thing that holds the lever and you got all the shirts like, ah! Those are examples of being so used to comfort, anything difficult becomes a challenge. There's, a, there's a, a basketball coach, the man's name is Monty Williams, and he coaches the Phoenix Suns, and there's a quote attributed to him that I thought it was outstanding. He was talking to his team, and he said, everything you want is on the other side of hard. And that's scriptural. Jesus looked beyond the cross to the joy. What you want is on the other side of something that for you is going to seem hard. And Paul told Timothy, we need to endure hardness, as a good soldier of Christ. James in James 1 said, letting patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What you want is to be lacking nothing, but it takes patience to do that. You see, if we never allow, you know, sometimes we get in difficult situations, we're not thinking, I'm developing patience and endurance. We think, I just want this over. But every difficult situation that we go through, what are we doing? We're growing. For what? For what's on the other side. And then whatever comes next, oh, I did this before. Okay, I got to what's on the other side. And then what do we do? As we continue to do that, we go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the other. Most everything grows in our lives. All of the things that God wants to bless us with, he knows uh, they can handle it. They dealt with that situation that came up. The situation didn't come from God. It came from the devil, of course. But yeah, they were able to go through it. So we need to understand that just because we run into something difficult, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We all love that verse, but we don't like the need part. Well, you have to need for there to be a supply. Sometimes we get in the need and we're like, well, this is uncomfortable. I never want to do this again. Well, then why do you need a supply if you have no need? You don't send water to people who have it. You send water to people who don't have it. So as Christians, we need to be thinking. Again, that's what comfort tries to do. It tries to come in and just, well, if this is hard, we text family members in our own home. Are you serious? I can't get my behunkus off the couch, walk downstairs, and say something to my kid. And don't act like you didn't get the text because you're always on your phone. Comfort. Nothing wrong with comfort, comfort as long as we don't allow it to, to put us in a place of complacency. Praise be to God forever. You know, and that's why we need to pay attention to the devil because he's, people, you know, say he's dumb and and I get where they come from, but he's studied humans for thousands of years. He's pretty good at what he does. Uh, We have the truth and we have the light on what he does, but he is pretty good. And and it says one of the things he does is we, we don't have to be ignorant of his wiles. Wiles means manipulations. A fearful population 
is an easily manipulated population. If he can get us in fear about anything, today COVID's the big thing. If he can get us in fear about anything, we are easily manipulated. So that's something for us to remember. So let's make sure we're not deceived and let's see what the word says about being a good witness. So the title today is Guarding Your Witness. How do I guard my witness? Because if there's something the devil... Well, number one, the devil doesn't want you to get born again. But if he can't keep you from being born again, then he wants to keep you fruitless. Which, of course, hinders your witness. So we're going to spend a lot of time today in the parable of the sower which um, begins in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And we're actually going to go through this about three times. The first time we're going to go through it and find out what kind of soils are there. Now, when it talks about soil, it, excuse me, voice break, puberty. What, what, what that is, is that is... <laughs> My kids left when I do that. Dad, nice voice break. Thanks, dude. When it talks about the soils, talking about our heart. And are receiving the word or not receiving it. Coming to church doesn't mean you're receiving the word. just means you're here. just means you're here. So there are different kinds of grounds. People are different kinds of grounds. And the thing about this parable is interesting is that it's talking to either Christians or people who had opportunity to receive the word. It's not the people who've never heard it. So these are the people who are in church or they have been somewhere where they had the opportunity to receive the word. And they had to make a choice. What kind of ground am I going to be? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a look at that. So if we look at Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, and there'll be a lot of reading, I apologize. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. This is the disciples asking Jesus. And he said unto them, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see, not see and, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins shall be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not the parable, and how then ye will know all parables? So this is, he said, You know this, you're going to know all of them. You know this parable, you're going to know all of them. The sower sows the word. Every time you come to church, the word is ministered. Every single time. Every single. So it has opportunity to produce fruit anytime I come to church. There was somebody that apparently I didn't see it. Um, they, they were bellyaching about coming to church all the time. Well, you don't have to come. But every time you come, you miss an opportunity to create fruit. Every single time. Verse 15. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was grown in their hearts. And we continue on. And they that likewise which are sown on stony ground, and then continue on to the next one. And then this one talks, and they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a time, but then affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. And these there which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things enter in, choking the word out, and it becomes unfruitful. And finally, are these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. Notice they hear it and receive it. They don't just hear it. And bring, what does it mean when you receive the word? You do it. And some produce 30, 60, 100 fold. So if we look up here, there are four different kinds of soils. And you see this graph and it shows us. You have the good soil, you have wayside, you have thorny, you have stony. So you have 25%. Of believers producing fruit. 
75% don't. Why? Not receiving the word. I didn't like that message. I didn't like that message. It's uncomfortable. 20, now, we can be a church full of the 25% if we choose to be. 25% of believers produce fruit. Now, if we go back a little bit and we look at these different groups, wayside ground, that just means the path that's been trampled. Like when you try to plant a garden, you don't want to plant it in hard soil, so you have to disc it up and things like that. Because when the, when the seed hits that soil, it just kind of bounces around. It's not received. It doesn't go in. It's been trampled and trodden down. This is making reference to prideful people. I, I don't want to receive that. I have a hard heart. I know what I know. These are the people that already know what they think, and then they'll go to their Bible program, and they'll type in words that apply to what they think, and they'll cherry-pick verses that support what they think, and then they say, the Word supports me, which is backwards. Instead of going to the Word, seeing what the Word says, and then saying, oh, this is what I think. They've already determined what they think. They just used the Bible as a reference guide to justify their prideful thinking. Not that anyone in here has ever done that. <laughs> See, th- they never read the verse in its context. They never understood why was that said. You, let's say you catch a letter from me that goes to a young lady named Tanya and say, I love you, really enjoyed the time we had together. We had great fellowship, looking forward to it the next time. You could intercept that, read then thank good Lord, Brother Sean's having an, a, 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 having an affair. Right. Tanya's my sister. Right. You didn't have it in context, did you? People do the same thing with the Word of God. And hard hearts will do that. Well, I know what was ministered, but there are other verses that say something different. You, if you study the Word then you'll realize what it actually means instead of trying to use it to justify the wrong thing. Amen? And then we have, if we note, we have the stony ground, and stony ground, of course, says people are offended. Now, you can be offended because you stand on the Word and people attack you because you stand on the Word and then you get offended that you've been attacked, or you can actually be offended by the Word itself. This goes back a little bit to the wayside, to people, people's frightfulness. The Word says something you don't like, and you're offended because it has challenged your doctrine. We can all be offended by the Word. Let me give you an example. This is a toasty one. Are you ready? All right. Uh, th- this happened to me a number of months ago. Now, we, we understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses three through, 4 through 8 say the word never fails, right? Yeah. We also under, so, so it always works, right? Yes. yes, it does. So Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, right? Yes. Shed abroad means covers everything. Yes. There's not a piece where that person lives that you don't forgive for anything. Yes. Everything is covered. Yep. And the word also says that love, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, the Amplified Classic, it kind of breaks it down, it's wonderful. It says that the love of God believes the best of every person in every situation. Does it? So let me, let, let's review this. So, the word never fails. So, 
I, I have the love of God in me, right? So, here's the biggie. Love thinks the best of every person in every situation. Does it say that? Okay, we all agree. Good. Good. number of months ago, could have been a year ago, I was sitting in my home, and um, I saw what happened to Mr. George Floyd. For, for those of you who don't know, he was the African-American man who was arrested. He was on the ground, and the police officer was on his neck, and he died. When I saw that, in me, my emotions welled up, and I started to think, they need to take that police officer and... Before I thought anything else, God said, Sean, doesn't love think the best? Oh, did you feel that? (laughs) Love thinks the best of every person in every situation. I started to go down this trail of negativity. Well, what that means is just because I see something, hear something or whatever, I don't run down the trail of negativity. That's what it means. That's what it means. I started to run down that trail about that man knowing nothing about him. See, because some people ran down that trail. Some people ran down the trail. Well, the guy's probably a criminal. He deserved it. That's not walking in love either. Hey, if I'm going to be a Christian... And I'm not going to be deluded by all the foolishness out there. This is not the great information age. It's the great misinformation age. You can understand why ministers have told us for years, being led by the Spirit of God is going to be so incredibly important in these end times. If we're not led by the Spirit of God, we're going to be led by something that's not the Spirit of God. So the Word, He told me, He told me, Sean doesn't love think the best. Ooh, ah, and I studied that. And then later on he said, you know nothing about any of it. Nothing. So you know what I did not do? I didn't go on social media and pour out my heart. Because I didn't know anything about anything. It would have been the rantings of the uninformed. And there's a lot of that. And people read it and cried. Oh, that's so touching. They don't even know what they're talking about. And Christians got suckered in. Instead of love thinking the best and saying, I can't read this. You know why? There, There are two things on the news I watch. Weather and sports. Why don't I watch anything else? Because I don't listen to liars. Well... That went over like a rock feather, didn't it? <laughs> Listen, if it's not the word, I trust it about as much as I trust sushi from a truck stop. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Nothing wrong with sushi, and I like truck stops, and I've eaten some good food there, but there's just some place you don't go to get some stuff. You don't go to the news or to the world to get the truth. You go to the word. And um, I'm almost through my first page. <laughs> but, 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 so, so back to what we're talking about here. You have, of course, the wayside, that's pride. You have the stony, that's offended. You have the thorny, thorny people are distracted. Yeah. Too much going on. Yeah. Too much on their phone. This is the people who text during service. Yeah. Or check the scores during service, you know, that sort of thing. Again, got real heavy. <laughs> 
And then it talks to us about the good ground. So if you look at the second graphic, let's look at the unproductive ground and why is it unproductive. 75% of ground in believers' lives, well, I should say 75% of believers are unproductive. Why is that? Well, if you look at this graph, we see this. We talked initially about the wayside ground. This is the only ground where it mentions Satan being involved. The only one. It says the devil comes and snatches the word. He's not mentioned in any other kind of ground. Only the prideful ground. But the problem is this. I have to be prideful for him to get that access. You understand? And when it talks about the thorny, like we said, it's distractions. Who distracts you? You distract yourself. You choose to be distracted. The devil can't make you distracted. That's your choices. Right? Stony. Offended. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse eight, uh, the verses 4 through 8, I mentioned earlier, love. Love never takes an account of a suffered wrong. What's that mean? You did somebody bad, you don't sit there and grovel on it and wallow in it and smell like it and share it with everybody else. That's what being offended is. Can the devil make you offended? No, the love of God should have brought my heart. I can forgive everybody of everything all the time. So what do we have to come to the realization of? When it comes to why people don't produce fruit, 25% of their problems is the devil. 75% is them. Whose fault is it if I'm prideful? It's, it's your fault if I'm prideful? Yeah, it's my fault. Now, now settle down. Jessica's like, oh, yeah, it's you. <laughs> Fight your friends. Madeline Barley. <laughs> it's my fault if I'm prideful. Whose fault is it if I'm distracted? Yes. Um, whose fault is it if I'm um, offended? 75% of the problems I run into life are my fault. This will help deal with a lot of the people. Oh, the devil's, oh, he's on me. Well, you, you sure do make bad choices, though. Now, can God, can God bail you out? Oh, my goodness, he's so merciful. He's so merciful. He's so wonderfully merciful. But why help him? I mean, really. Why would I help him? It's kind of like this. Give, give me... Um, Zod and Bernie, come here. You two stand up here on the platform right here. I love object lessons, for those of you who don't mean. Up on the platform. Yeah, stand up on the platform. I said, stand on the platform. He walks says, stand up. No, lie down. <laughs> Sam's my son. And if you've never had a 15-year-old son, sometimes ears, they look good, but they're optional equipment. I'm just... So, come up here to the edge, dudes. So let's say that Zod... Well, both these guys, they love God, they come to church, all, all that sort of thing. But let's say that Bernie, he makes bad choices. <laughs> now, of course, this is where they live now. They want to move up. They want to move up into the things of God, right? They want to keep growing, progressing, moving forward. So eventually through the roof is where we're wanting to go. But Bernie keeps making bad choices, putting himself in bad situations, jump down. Are they at the same place now? No. He's got to dig out of a hole that he created. He's got to dig out of a hole, or he's got to believe God to dig him out of a hole that he created by making bad decisions. Devil had nothing to do with it. 
Devil had nothing in the world to do with it. He made poor choices. Now, God is merciful and God is graceful and God will use his, his faith and allow Bernie to use his faith and he will help him to step up and move forward. But why put yourself in a hole? Why would we put ourselves in a hole? Thank you, gentlemen. You can have a seat. I had hair like that one day. <laughs> and listen. <laughs> and listen. <laughs> oh, my lands. I need to take a drink. <laughs> Listen, God's not mad at us. God loves us. But listen, if we just believe the devil's lies, we'll never realize I could get rid of three-fourths of my problems if I just make better choices. Amen. So, and, and I say that we can get through all of this and we can move through all of this and we can grow through all of this because the Bible says that God has made us more than a conqueror. Romans, if you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says... And, and it just got done talking about issues that people deal with and things that have come against people. And it talks about the love of God and the fact that God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. And then it says, nay, and all these things, it doesn't matter what comes against you, you're more than a conqueror. Now listen, uh, you're not the, the winner in the loser's bracket. If you know what a loser's bracket is, when they have like an athletic event, they have brackets of teams. And then if you win, you advance in the winner's bracket. And if you lose, you drop down. They call it the consolation bracket. It's the loser's bracket. You're fighting to be the second best loser in that tournament is what you're doing. You're not that. You're the champion of the champions. You conquer the people who conquered all the other people. We are more, we're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. That's a step above. So when these different issues come up in our lives, this is what we always need to come back to. No, I'm more than a conqueror. More than. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. So let's do this. In the time I have remaining, we're going to break down these soils a little more closely and we're going to give specific examples of how people fall in this trap. Because in I guess about three months ago, the Lord started talking to me about the country and what we see happening. And I know when he does that, there's one of two things happening. Either there's a book coming out of it or I'm going to be asked to preach. So when Pastor Jordan asked me to preach, I knew what it was going to be about. And it fell in line, of course, with what he'd been ministering. But he'd been talking to me about the country. So, so this specific message is catered to North American Christians. If you're not a North American Christian today... I'm sorry, this might not be for you, but I think all of you are North American Christians. Mm -hmm. Scanning, or those of you who live in North America. So, Doc, you don't get out of this. Don't act like that. <laughs> Docs, I look over, Doc's just smiling. This isn't any of me. It's all you people. No, this is you too, Doc. Because if you're here long enough, you'll get used to comfort. Have you gotten used to it yet? Yeah, is it nice? Oh, it's very nice. But never forget, some people love comfort more than freedom. <laughs> so, back to Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. We go back, and what we have here is we have the sower sows the word. And these are they that fall the wayside. The wayside, of course, is the hardened ground because of pride where the word is sown. But when they have heard... Satan comes immediately and taketh of the way the word that was sown in their hearts. So the seed comes, and because they're hard-hearted, they don't receive any word. 
or there's certain word they won't receive. Oh, really good messages on faith, but don't talk about prosperity. Well, then this fruit that could have developed in that person's life in the area of prosperity is stolen. They might have great revelation on healing, nothing on prosperity. They might have great revelation on church attendance, but nothing when it comes to their family. Because in that area, I'm just not going to be taught in that area. I'm hard-hearted in that particular area. And, and like we said, that, that's a situation, and, and that's pride, of course, and it's a situation where a person's just determined, I know the truth and nothing's going to change my mind, other than, of course, I'm going to get, and, and, and I found verses from the Bible that said what I said is right. And I know Dr. Jacobs and Pastor Jordan have said things that, that run contrary to what I believe, but I have, I have word on it. Well, well, you have your favorite word on it. You don't have the word on it. If you ever read the Bible very much, you realize there are parts in there you don't like. You read through and you're like, ooh, mm, that hurt. If all you ever do is like, oh, this is wonderful. I don't know what translation you're reading. Next, we have the stony ground. I'm not going to go into great detail on the wayside because we already talked about that quite a bit. Stony ground, um, Mark chapter 4, verses 16. And we read that and it says, And these are they likewise that fall on, are sown on stony ground. If you've ever had rocky ground, ground with rock in it, and, and you have good soil, what will happen is that the seeds will go down between the rocks. But what will happen, and they'll start to sprout, but there's no nutrient in that soil. So the roots really can't take hold. And, and, and it says, um, when they have heard the word, immediately, they do, they receive it with gladness. Well, what happens is it has no root, and they endure for a time. But afterwards, when affliction and persecution come, affliction just means pressure. Persecution means that you're mistreated. This specific word, it's interesting. It says, especially in areas of politics, religion, and race. That sounds like 2020, doesn't it? Well, actually, it sounds like 2021 also, considering I just got the year wrong. People have pressure, and they're attacked, and specifically over those three areas, which is exactly what we've seen in our country. This is why he talked to me about this. And it says, it arises for the word's sake. People have stood up and said, I'm standing on the word in this situation, but they're attacked because they've stood on the word instead of somebody's agenda. And let me, uh, let me say this, it's all agendas that are unscriptural. I'm a patriot, so I'm going to storm the Capitol. You're an idiot. I'm involved in Black Lives Matter, so I'm going to burn down this community. You're an idiot. Doesn't matter the deal. It's contrary to the word. There's trouble coming with that. Now listen, don't get all politically correct on me because the word's not politically correct if you've actually read it. And immediately they're offended. When, 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 looking, at these, when, when looking at this particular passage, and we're not going to have time to turn there because I've talked too much. Um, the, the Lord said, and he reminded me of what happened when Jesus had the disciples in the boat and he said, let's go to the other side. Remember that? He said, that's where we are as a country right now. He said what they did is they took off. Now, when, when he says, let's go to the other side, what the other side means is the other side means his best. That means his calling. That means what he's called you to. And he said, let's go to the other side. So they all gather up in this boat and they take off. Now, he already said, this is where we're going. 
And he goes in the back, and, and it says there are other boats that went with him. So it wasn't just one boat. Of course, he was only in that boat. A lot of people think Jesus is in their boat. He's with you, but he may not be with what you're doing. So he's in this boat, and he's sleeping, and they get out on the, on the, on the, on the water, and all of a sudden this big storm wells up. And the waves and the, and the wind and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and God said, this is where we are today, or a lot of Christians are today as, as, as in this country. They've gotten in these boats. You've got the Patriot boat over here. There was a lack of voter integrity. We must protect the Second Amendment. They're changing what our country's like. President Trump's my president. And then you've got... And they've elevated this belief to almost a religion. And then over here, you've got the woke boat. How dare you drive an SUV? You're destroying the, the environment. Black lives matter. I'm for LGBTQ. It's okay if you don't know what gender you are. You can be anyone you want. And you've got this boat over here. And then you've got the religious boat. Kind of look around. All you people are going to hell in that boat. <laughs> and he said, "What happened is you've got all these people and these all, all they're in all these boats on the water, and the winds blowing, and the waves are crashing, and they're all huddled together in their victimhood. They're all whining and oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Look at the storm. And it's interesting. You have so many different views, and they all think they're oppressed." By the way, you're supposed to be more than a... So they're huddled up in fear in these boats, he said. But they feel comfortable because, well, they're in a boat with people who believe like them. They, they don't want to listen to anybody who doesn't agree with them. They're in this boat. Listen, conformity comes because of comfort. I'm comfortable. All these people believe like me and agree with me. I must be doing this right. You know, the Bible talks about Satan being a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When a lion looks at six gazelle or 6,000, he sees only one thing, pray. I don't care how many people you get involved in your gig. If you're doing it from a position of failure and defeat, all the devil sees is pray. You're not impressing anybody. Well, you impress people who don't, you impress. What's impress? You impress people who don't think right, but you don't impress people who think in line with the word. So you've got all these people huddled up in these boats and they're all afraid and, oh, we're being attacked and, oh my goodness, I am a white heterosexual male and people just won't listen to me anymore. I'm a Christian and society's against me. I'm a conservative and big tech is censoring me. What are those? Oh, those are cries of victims. Those are all cries of victims. It's from eating too much social media. I hear you, Brother Ronnie. <laughs> and, 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 and of course, the other reason people conform is coercion. You see, Jesus stood up. Well, actually, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. And what did the fearful people in the boat do? Don't you care? We're going to drown? People in these boats, well, they, they refer to name-calling when you don't wallow in their victimhood. Well, you're a racist is your problem. 
you socialist. You heathen. You're going to hell with the people in that other boat too. What's that? That's coercion. That's exactly what fear tries to do. That's exactly what those disciples tried to do to Jesus. Don't you care that this is happening? What Jesus do? He just got up, walked over, said, peace be still. Then he turned around and said, hey, you Christians in the boat, where's your faith? Now, there's a little bit of truth in all these boats. There is. There are issues that need to be fixed. There are things that need to be addressed. You'd be a fool not to want to make sure that the voting integrity is right. You'd be a fool not to want justice for people of color. You'd be a fool not to think that. But people have taken it to an extreme and turned it into a religious cult. And if you're not for us, you're against us. Listen, I don't care. Well. Amen. Well, sure. Amen. You know, <laughs> glory be to God forever. You know, you see so much of this today because it's so much easier to live as a victim than it is to live in victory. To be a victim, you have to do one thing, nothing. Lay on your couch, eat your Fritos and Doritos, drink soda pop, watch Jerry Springer, whatever the crazy show is today, binge on Netflix. I don't know what people do. You don't have to do anything to be a victim. You just got to live. Well, not live, survive, exist. But the only way you're going to live life and live it more abundantly and in excess is to actually renew your mind, pray, go to church, watch your mouth. Victimhood's easy. Oh, my goodness. It's so easy. That's why everybody's a victim if they don't think in line with the Word. I get this isn't politically correct, but the Word's the Word. And then... And then, and then he talked to me about this other, the other account where, <laughs> now Jesus was trying to train these guys. You understand that. He had these disciples and he's trying to train them. So we see a little later what happens is we got another boat situation with the disciples. It's amazing in the boat, you always find fear or unbelief. Remember when he first got in Peter's boat, said, cast out into the deep, let down your nets. Peter let down one. Why? He doubted what Jesus said. If you're going to be a boat person, you're always going to be wrong. We're not called to live in boats. We're called to walk on water. Again, you can recognize there's some truth in all of these boats, but you can't live in the boat because the boats are full of victims and you are not a victim. Unless you want to be. Because it is comfortable. So we've got Jesus, and what happens is Jesus said, hey, listen, you guys get in the boat and go to the other side. Notice the language. Same thing he said earlier. Go to my best. Again, what you want in your life is on the other side of what is hard. And he went up to the mountain to pray. And he said he was up in the mountain praying, and he looked out and he saw, oh, they ran into another storm, they're having trouble. And it says this. It said Jesus went down walking on the water, and it said he didn't intend to go to them. Although they were having trouble, I'm going to the other side. That's where I told them to meet me. See, first time he went with them to help them. The next time he said, do it on your own. Because what was the answer to their problem? Where's your faith? He said, hopefully I've trained them a little bit. Listen, bless my kids. I love my kids. And at one time I helped to, had to help them go to the potty. I don't now. So what happens is he's walking over to the other side. and he, see, he, he sees them, but it says he didn't have any intention of stopping. 
That's why I said earlier, a lot of people think God's in their boat with them. He's going where He told you to go. He's not going to wallow in your victimhood in your boat. So what happened? They saw him and said, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. There's your fear. There's your fear. There's your fear. Oh my goodness, we have to deal with the wind and the waves and the oppression and all this sort of stuff. Never, never, never confuse oppression with envy. Come on. Come on. Oppression means you don't have. Envy means you just don't have as much as somebody else. Did you notice a good ground? Some produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Where does it say you're all guaranteed to produce 100 fold? What I produce is up to me. You remember when Samuel went to anoint the new king and he went to Jesse's house and it was ultimately going to be David, but they lined up all the sons and the first son he came up to is called Eliab. And Samuel looked at him and said, oh my goodness, this has to be him. He must have been a looker. You know what a looker means, young people? You know what a looker means? It's not a fishing lure. You know what it is? It means somebody's good looking. It's like me. So... <laughs> So, so what, what you have is, is Samuel looked on him and God said, I've rejected him. And then he goes to each of the other sons and he says, I haven't chosen him. Notice the language. I've rejected him. Them I just haven't chosen. The word rejected means he, he's almost vile. And then later on what we see when, when um, David shows up, David gets anointed to be king. David shows up at the battlefield when Goliath is out there. And Goliath is talking all this trash. And David looks at all of his brothers and all the guys and says, isn't anybody going to do anything about this guy? Man, he's not even covenant. And who bites his head off? Eliab. The guy who God rejected is there. And his brother comes to show up to help and he bites his head off. And notice David's response. What have I done now? So what his response was. What have I done now? You give a response, what have I done now, to a person who's always on you. Why was Eliab always on David? Because Eliab disqualified himself for what he could have done. David stepped in, took it over, and Eliab was jealous. Never confuse no opportunity for wasted opportunities. Whenever you're willing to do what someone else is unwilling to do, they will be jealous of where you are. God doesn't guarantee you the same results in the earth. He guarantees you you can be more than a conqueror, but what you do or don't do is up to you. And quit expecting anybody else to put you over other than God. All this political stuff, it's trash. It's trash. And it's gotten in our church. In the same way that sexual immorality got in the church in Corinth because of the sexual morality in the city, all this political correctness garbage is trying to get in the church and it's going to deceive you into thinking the wrong thing. That's not saying that things don't need to be addressed. There are things that need to be addressed, but you can't exalt any of this above the Word because it's going to lead to ruin. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be mean, but... When God talked to me about this, he was pretty straight. If that's okay to say, sir. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, 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 Jesus, of course, he was walking on the water, and they said, oh my goodness, it's a ghost again. Fear in the boat. Fear. Boat people have no balance. No balance. You're with me or against me. It's only my way. It's my way or the highway. A perfect example. People say the founding fathers of this nation were racist. They owned slaves. Of course they were. If you own a slave, aren't you probably a racist? I mean, you don't have a bunch of slaves and be like, oh, no, everyone's the same. Of course they were. So you got to know that. But, of course, there's balance. It's 250 years ago. What did you know 250 years ago? You, you couldn't go to much any culture in the planet on that time and not have those kinds of issues. People didn't know. It's like people 250 years from now look back at us and say, well, you people are sure idiots. We've got to quit judging people by what we know now based on what they did then. And listen, just because someone has done something bad doesn't mean you can throw at all the good they did. If that's the case, we're throwing out everybody. I mean, really, raise your Who are we not going to throw out? You can't find anybody who hadn't done wrong. So you're just going to say, burn them all. That's unscriptural. By the way, where's mercy in that? There is no mercy in that. It's awfully quiet. <laughs> well, it's the word. It is the word. And, and, and listen, this will help us. We talked about, hey, you can't be prideful. That's going to hurt your ground. You're not going to be a good witness. We, 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 we can't be offended. and We can't get caught up in all this political garbage because you're, you're, you're going to be offended and it's going to hurt your witness. But I'm sorry, back to Jesus, I haven't finished that yet. You have Jesus, of course, he's walking across the water and they scream, and oh my goodness, look, it's a ghost. No, it's not me. And Peter says, hey, if it's you, ask me to come. Peter said, okay, come. You know what happens? Sometimes people try to get out of their boat and walk on water and they fail and they have to get back in the boat. And people always like to talk about the failure, but Peter was one of the greatest leaders of the church. But it started there. He did something the other people. What do you think the guys in the boat were thinking? Is he going to do it? told you he's crazy. But he did it. Not long, but he did it. He took the step. And then Jesus got in the boat. He dealt with their unbelief again. Boom, they got to the other side. Don't be a boat person. You can't live there. You can recognize truths, but you can't be a boat person. Amen. And then it talks about the thorny soil. Uh, the thorny, thorny soil, it's interesting, if you've, ever, if you've ever had a garden, you realize certain crops need a certain amount of room to grow in. And if you put too many things in a garden, they're not going to produce proper fruit. And the Word tells us to sense what is vital. So the things that are going to produce godly, eternal fruit are the things we need to focus on. So those are the things we plant first. And then everything else we put in our life is around that. Our activities, family fun work, entertainment, leisure, any of that, all of that stuff goes around that. If anything starts to choke out the word, we got to get rid of it because what we've done is we've created a thorny ground situation. We're choking the fruit because we're doing too much. What's a priority? What's your call? And you have to be able to differentiate between what's a call and what's a cause. Your calling is what God made you to do. 
Your calling is something you can look at and it can be legitimate and you want to be involved in it. But let me ask you, do you have the time to be involved in it? Because I've never met anybody who said, oh, I have a time, all the time in the world, do whatever I want. Most people are like, I'm so busy. Then why would you put something else on your plate? Did God call you to do that? And again, a lot of this goes back to comfort. A cause is always easier than a calling. Because a call is this. You people have to change. I already know this, but you have to change. Which is easier, for me to lose weight or for me to tell you to lose weight? It's what a cause is. I'm not saying it's not legitimate. I'm not saying there aren't people who put in work and get involved, but it's nothing compared to fulfilling your call. I can live like hell on earth and be a great leader of a cause because my cause doesn't require I change. It requires you people change because you just don't know what I know. That's what a cause is. By the way, those of you who say there was voter fraud and those of you who say there wasn't, how do you know? Were you there? Did you print any ballots or transport any or count any? You don't know. You don't have any idea on earth. Unless the Lord would tell you. Well, I read it. Really, you know that person? Well, there was a study that said, look, anyone involved in the social sciences will tell you, you can make a study to say anything you want. Studies are produced for one of two purposes, truth or fundraising. Because for a lot of people, you stand up and say, studies say, everybody's like, oh my goodness, we got to support this, this study said that. The study could be nothing but trash. Do they have a good sample? Is it a random sample? How did they ask the questions? Do they have a control group? You might need to have a control group. How many of you have ever said, oh, this study says, so it must be true. Don't raise your hand. What year was the study conducted and who conducted it? Because I want to go on and read the study. Because people will like to read the conclusion of a study. And what they'll do is they'll share with you one of the five points because the other four doesn't support what they think. <laughs> but the problem is people won't do that because people are so comfortable. I'll retweet or I'll repost this study says, but I don't know if it's true. What's that do to your witness? Isn't that lying? See, if I post garbage like that enough, people are like, well, you can't really trust what they say because it's not always true. And then all of a sudden, when I start sharing about the goodness of God, all of a sudden they're supposed to trust me? Have I, have I proved myself trustworthy? People want to go to the conclusion of these studies and say, oh, this is what the study says. How was it constructed? How many people have actually sat down and said, you know, before I quote this study, I wonder how it was created? Because most social scientists will tell you a lot of these studies are trash. But it raises money, so it's done its job. <sighs> but I'm sorry, I got off about causes versus calls. Causes are easy because you have to change. And that's the reason why these people involved in these causes are so frustrated, because you're not changing quick enough. The only way I'm going to be successful in my cause is if you change. I don't have to change. I'm enlightened. You have to change. And it, 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 does, it gives people this sense of I'm doing something good because there are good causes. And if you're called to do it, you have to do it. You're called to do it. God wants you involved in that. But if you're not, again, and, and, and again, because people live in their feelings. Well, this, Doc, you like it? <laughs> this, this is important. Look at me. I'm fighting a good fight. For you to fulfill your call, nobody has to change. You do. You have to change. 
We already said, which is easier, me to tell you to change or me to change? That's why some people use these causes as a counterfeit calling to make themselves feel like, I'm doing something for God. This is a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's not a good thing for you to do because it's not what you're called to do. Glory to God. Well, we're not going to get through this. And some of you are like, Whew. <laughs> Finally, the good ground. Now, notice some produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Everyone doesn't produce the same. Why? It's their choice. This is not a participation award planet. You don't get rewarded just for showing up or just because your mom and dad signed you up. We've, we've made the mistake of training young people. All you have to do is show up and you'll be rewarded. That's not how this works. God will bless where he can, but, and it's not about earning, but my effort's important. So those kinds of things are things that pollute our ground and makes us, it hard for us to receive. Some of you struggled to receive some things today because it ran against what you think, but it's what the Word says. So how do we fix this? Well, we don't have time to get to it. But we fix this by going to Philippians 4.8. It says, think on these things or make these things your habit of thinking on. And all of his goodness. And this is where you run into the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. There are some things you should study and it stays here. You shouldn't meditate on it. You don't need it in your heart. That's why it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. There are other things you do meditate, and it gets in your heart. When I first began teaching, and I'll end with this, when I first began teaching social studies, golly, in my 20s, um, one of my favorite classes to teach was African-American history. Love the class. Like learning about guys like Marcus Garvey and A. Philip Randolph and folks like that. Now, here's, how many of you know who that is? <laughs> Very few of you. We need to do a better job in our schools. But, um... You know, but, but what had happened, I was young, I didn't know, I wasn't much of a Christian. At that time, I was a Christian, but I was like, try to do the minimum to be a Christian, you know what I mean? I want to get into heaven, but I don't want to live too sanctified. You know, gotta... Wait a second. <laughs> so, um, but what I'd gotten to do, and as I'd gotten to studying, and what happened is I, I not just studied this material, I started meditating on it. And I'd keep reading about like different accounts of lynchings and different things bad that happened to people. And what happened is I, start, I, 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 met it, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. What happened is it got in me. And it changed me. My mom just the other day, I can't remember what we were doing, but she said, oh yeah, he was a very bitter young man. Is that right, mom? Okay, thank you for not being too loud. Uh, you, you can tell, she's like... Where do you think his gray hair came from? <laughs> but I took information that I never should have let my heart, I never should have meditated on, I never should have stewed on it, and it got in me. That's why the Word says there's certain stuff you meditate on, and there's certain stuff you just know. What's your library look like? What's on your reading list? What are you feeding on? Well, Rush Limbaugh came out with a book that said, what are you meditating on? Like that would be an old book. I get it, but. How do you change the kind of ground you are? You meditate on the right 
things. Quit meditating on that garbage. Turn off the TV. Get off social media. Put your phone down. Quit doing that. I'm looking for somebody on Facebook to fight with. That's not a good witness. The better the fruit you produce, the better witness you will be. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Father God, for my brothers and sisters. We thank you the angels go with them. We thank you, Father God, that we're good ground. We're good ground. We receive the word. We produce fruit. And we thank you that we're not distracted by the, the lures and the manipulation of the devil. We'll stay focused on what it is you've given us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.